Hi, welcome to Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees and lots of other things that we found out about becoming a lawyer and the people that do. Hi, I'm Georgie. I'm a BBC legal apprentice. Previously on this podcast, we've met Mossin Zaidi, who became a barrister after working as a solicitor in the city. And we've met Hashi Mohammed, who went straight into getting a pupillage in Chambers. But there are other ways of becoming a barrister, and that's why I'm going to be talking to the amazing Carly Green. She did her pupillage with the Crown Prosecution Service and is already a criminal barrister prosecuting cases. And get this, she's only in her early 20s. So you work as a barrister for the CPS, which for anybody who doesn't know is the Crown Prosecution Service and you qualified last November and you are literally just 24. Do you want to like talk me through a little bit of how you got there? I am actually from a working class background. I'm the youngest of five. My mum was a single parent. I went to a state school, local state school. Following that, I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Leeds went to bar school at BPP University. Then I applied for pupillage at the Crown Prosecution Service. Your pupillage is at 12 months. It's the exact same uh, layout as a pupillage if you were to do it at the self-employed bar. So your first six months is non-practicing. Then after six months, you obtain a provisional practicing certificate. Then during your second six months, you have certain rights of audience and can start conducting your own hearings. Then after the 12 months, as long as you've met all the competencies set by the Bar Standard Board, then you qualify and obtain your full practising certificate. Wow. <laughs> and that is how you, at the age of tender age of 24, are like actually like representing people in cases. Yes, definitely. Sometimes uh, I have to pinch myself. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it doesn't seem real, especially so young. Yeah. I, I'll be honest, there were a lot of setbacks. Yeah, I've had, I had numerous rejections. I didn't always get the grades that I wanted to get. I had to work uh, alongside bar school. So whilst on the face of it, it seems like it's been an easy process, I can assure you it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it always sounds effortless when you like describe it from like a bird's eye view, doesn't it? it and does. then like while you're doing it, it's like, this is not easy. No. <laughs> Would you mind talking a little bit more about the jobs that you did and how kind of how you found that, like working alongside doing like what sounds like really like quite intensive academic stuff as well. Coming from the background I come from, I'm not from the traditional lawyer background someone might expect. So financially for me, it was a huge obstacle to overcome. You might be aware the uh, the, BP, the then BPTC was over £15,000. Oh my gosh. Uh, during the undergraduate degree, I got the uh, standard loans and maintenance loans, which everyone's entitled to. It was Going to bar school, that was um, the real worry for me. I started working part-time when I was uh, younger just to earn you know, some pocket money and things like that. But during bar school, I had to have uh, two part-time jobs. One of those, uh, I worked at Leeds United on a match day. Then I also worked during the week in a warehouse and uh, for a boot repair company repairing shoes. What a selection of things that is. <laughs> so I um, had like a nice little Saturday job in a florist. And I feel like you, you pick up like loads of random skills, don't you, like throughout life where you're like, well, I'm very good at arranging flowers. I'm very good at like you know mending shoes when I say to people I, I worked in a for a boot repair company they sometimes think well do you know how do you transfer the skills to what you do now and on the face of it it, it doesn't seem like there are any skills which you transfer but looking into it there, there are part of the role at the boot, boot repair company we had to ensure that um, the shoes were to a, an exact standard you know we had to have a, an eye for detail 
those skills transfer to being a barrister. We're dealing with cases on a daily basis and we have to have an eye, an eye for detail. So, and same at Leeds United as well. I worked part of a team. I now work for the CPS, which is a, a very large team. So it's, it's, the skills are definitely transferable. Some people laugh and think they aren't, but they actually are. And also, like, I imagine like working match days, you get a bit of experience of like dealing with tricky customers, which I'm definitely. sure <laughs> um, No, I think there's so much truth in what you said there about the idea that the jobs that we do, you more than me, let's be honest with ourselves, but um, the jobs that we do nowadays have got so much cultural cachet associated with them and people are like really impressed by them. But ultimately, it's it's all very similar. I mean, like, obviously, we work very hard and there is like lots of academic training, but like being good at your job is all the same sort of stuff, really. Make sure you turn up on time work hard be nice to people work well in a team like that all of all of the stuff is so transferable hearing that like all work experience that you do even if it is just to make sure that you've got enough money and so that you can pay your rent is really valuable and it's something that will stand you in good stead for when you enter the workplace in terms of the legal profession. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. There's many skills that I've transferred to, as to being a barrister and I have to say, for them part-time jobs, I worked equally as hard as I do now as I did back then. During the interview with the CPS, I in fact spoke about my part-time jobs uh, more than... I spoke about the legal experience I uh, gained along the way. I think I think that's a really good tip, actually. That is that I think sometimes people can feel a bit because it doesn't have the same cultural cachet, like embarrassed talking about their work experience or the jobs that they've done, or like not recognise the skills that it gives them. That it is totally okay to talk about normal jobs in a job interview. Like that is that absolutely fine. Definitely, and if it wasn't for those part-time jobs, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I definitely speak about them yeah Carly would you mind like really simply explaining to me what the CPS is and what role it plays within the criminal justice system yes so um the CPS it stands for the Crown Prosecution Service the CPS are responsible for delivering justice through the independent and effective prosecution of crime they are the principal prosecuting authority across England and Wales due to the nature and the diversity of cases uh, which we advise and prosecute means the work is often challenging and complex. Would you give me like a little bit of an insight into like what you actually do nowadays, kind of day in, day out? What a tip- it's a really annoying question, but like what a typical day looks like for you? When I qualified, I qualified onto the magistrate's court team uh, as a Crown Prosecutor. I was going to the magistrate's court on a daily basis, covering all the types of hearings. And more recently, I have in fact moved on to the trials review team. So my, my role at the moment consists of I review uh, cases ready for trial. So I ensure that we apply something called the full code test. So we have the, the code for Crown prosecutors. Uh, and within that, we apply the full code test or the threshold test. And we have to ensure, first of all, there's enough evidence and also that it's in the public interest to prosecute. I also ensure with what we've won, the witnesses for trial made any applications that we need to make to the court, such as special measures, hearsay, bad character. So my role is ensuring the cases are ready for trial, and I've been doing that now for about six weeks. The stuff you're talking about, I can imagine that it has such an impact on people's lives. And I'm just interested in kind of what drew you to that role. Started probably when I was about, I think I was in year nine at school and I took part in a mock trial. I think I was uh, the prosecutor uh, and there were different... Same, ra- literally so. <laughs> oh, <I'm> 
<laughs> that's, where, that's where it started from for me. Um, and I progressed to the final round and I realised not only arguing a successful case was something that I enjoyed, but I had the potential to be good at. So then that's what made me want to go on and do uh, law at A-level. I often found myself sat in the local court and the local that crown court. The magistrate. <laughs> it is Charlie, very that keen. Is so keen. <laughs> Uh, I was was wanting to um, obtain as much legal experience as I could, but uh, being such a, a young age, you know, this was generally around the college age, uh, I'd just started studying law and I thought, what else could I do just to get a bit of experience? And I, I think I went, probably went on Google and realised that anyone can go and sit in court. So, And I just found myself, it became more of a hobby going to watch. And I just realised that had the potential to be good at but I really enjoyed it what's it like then like being in court and like presenting a case I remember doing my mock trial event and I found it so thrilling when I was younger like I had a lot to say for myself so like given half the opportunity to be in a mock trial event grilling somebody I was absolutely thrilled like absolutely thrilled I have to say yeah yeah it's um nerve-wracking uh but as with any public speaking I personally do find no nerve-wracking but Actually, when I'm on my feet in court, the nerves just seem to, I don't know, it's a strange feeling. They seem to just disappear. And um, I find myself really enjoying doing my job. When the case has got got to trial, uh, we've, of course, uh, believe we've got enough evidence and it's in the public interest. And it's about you know trying to secure that conviction. And it's just, yeah, just a... A way of expressing yourself as well. As I mentioned earlier, you are just twenty-four, Carly. Um, do you? How do you find people react to having a criminal barrister who is so young? Yeah. So when um, I first started on my feet and I was going to the Crown Court, then moved over to the Magistrates Court, I did worry at first, as if people used to think, "Gosh, she's very young. What, what like, what's she doing here? Or she's not going to have uh, much experience. She's only young." Whilst I got that feeling, I don't feel anyone thought it and I've not um, been subject you know, to any uh, comments regarding it. But it was just about now I'd, I'd walk into court and I don't feel like that anymore. Uh, I don't let my age, I don't let it bother me anymore. I just think it's about having confidence in yeah, I am young and you know, compared to a lot of people within that courtroom, I probably had the least experience. But it's about so for that particular day or the particular case you're dealing with, it's about knowing the law around that offence and knowing the facts of that case and knowing the sentencing guidelines. And it's about having confidence in that you know your stuff. Or while, as I, whilst I do still pinch myself that I'm you know, so embarrassed at such a young age, I don't let that bother me anymore when I go into court. And I think people, when you, they've seen what you can do, they start to respect you and you know don't just, don't just, just because of how young you are, the look you know, beyond that, it's about uh, what you're capable of doing and ensuring the job's done right. You mentioned that there's like employed barristers and self-employed barristers. Would you mind talking me through the difference between that um, and also kind of what attracted you to being an employed barrister? As I say, I'm an employed barrister. I'm employed by the CPS, so I solely prosecute. As a self-employed barrister, uh, you have the opportunity to do both. The CPS, in fact, instruct external counsel to prosecute on our behalf. Then they also defend, but as I say, I solely uh, prosecute as an employed by, uh, being employed by the CPS. In terms of what attracted me to be, being an employed barrister, and in particular being employed by the CPS, 
First of all, for me, was the benefits as bit of being an employed barrister over self-employed. There's the general benefits of as being employed. We get a salary each month, um, maternity pay, sick pay, uh, holiday pay. There is also uh, you might be aware, but. At the junior end of the self-employed bar, there are struggles at the moment. So for me, it was the security. After getting myself in quite a lot of debt and, you know, and making uh, those decisions to go down this route, I knew that I'd have a lot of uh, debt to pay back. So being, being at the CPS, uh, I'm offered, I'm provided with the security. I know when I'm getting paid each month. Well, whereas at the self-employed bar, you don't always know. So not only that, it was a work-life balance offered by the CPS to that of the self-employed bar. At the CPS, we work 37 hours a week. There are times when I do work over 37 hours, especially when you're in court. However, any time worked over 37 hours a week, uh, we get back as what we call flexi time. Yeah, that is so interesting because I have a stereotype in my head that clearly is a stereotype that like to be a barrister, you have to work a lot of hours and kind of really like have make a certain choice about your work-life balance. But clearly like that isn't the case, that like, you can be a barrister and still have like good work-life balance and all of that kind of thing. No, I had the exact, uh, when I was, you know, when I was going through the, the process to become a barrister, I felt the exact same um, because I, I did consider the self-employed bar um, and I did apply to Chambers. But for me, the CPS was the place that, that what attracted me to them was definitely the benefits. Would you mind me asking about like any advice you have for people who are like aspiring lawyers, aspiring barristers, aspiring solicitors? When I was going through the process, I was a little bit cheeky, if I'm honest, and I'd go on LinkedIn and I'd mess, I'd see someone who was a barrister or a solicitor and I'd message them and don't be embarrassed to be, be cheeky. The worst that someone can say is no. I found <laughs> myself often uh, asking if I could um, come and shadow them uh, if they've got an interesting trial or anything. Uh, as I say, the worst that they could say is no. And often people are happy to help, just ask. And I know you know the competition is is really high uh, for pupillage. But I'd probably say, I think when I was going through university, there was a big focus on getting a first and you know, you've got to get a first or you don't stand a chance. I'll be honest, I got a 2-1. Did it affect me going forward? It's good grade. Thank you. <laughs> I just think people had this view that you've got to get a first uh, in order to appeal to go to bar school. It's not the case at all. For me, I had to weigh up studying alongside part-time jobs but not only that I wanted to gain experience so I had to decide do I sacrifice gaining legal experience and just focus on my studies or do I do you know in my spare the time I do have spare try and get as much legal experience as I can and in some sense have to sacrifice my studies slightly um not of course to the uh, extent where I didn't do well but uh, so that's that's the decision I personally made and I think looking back now I I wouldn't have uh, changed that same with that bar school I had no choice but to to work part-time jobs as I say it was 15,000 pounds I in fact combined my um BPTC with a master's which uh, some people might not be aware of, but the government offer £10,000 postgraduate loan uh, if you combine it with a master's. So again, it was a huge decision because I was essentially doing two courses al- alongside of each other, 
whilst working part-time jobs. Carly, that sounds so hardcore. That sounds absolutely exhausting. You must have been knackered. <laughs> I'm not trying to big myself up at any no, I'm just no, trying to show this, the options that are there. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And there will be people from a similar background to myself who just think financially I can't do it. And one of the messages I want to get across is you can, and I did do it. It's tough. And uh, as I say, you might find yourself working all sorts of different part-time jobs. You might have to sacrifice your social life at times. You know, when your friends are going out, uh, it might be a sacrifice you have to make. But looking back now, I'd do it all over again. It sounds like incredibly hard work and stressful as well. Learning how to balance all of those different things, like clearly must stand you in like, excellent stead for like what you do now yeah and i'll be i'll be honest it, it wasn't easy there were times that i did consider giving up it was just, there was so many things to balance and there's always the what if i don't get pupillage i mean just so much debt but so you've got you've got to have a plan b i think you've just got to be realistic you know, don't set your hopes too high and just be realistic i was lucky to get pupillage first time of applying there were many people who don't and I do say that I was lucky. Of course, uh, I did obviously put a lot of effort into it, but I just feel like... I feel like there might have been some other elements at play, can't Yeah, of course, but I do feel yeah. like, yes, some of it was... I, I, I just feel extremely lucky to get have got it first time round. In terms of, there was many of my friends who didn't get it and have applied a second time and a third time and have gone on and got it. Mm. And as I say, there were many setbacks. Uh, they play, it's not like I got an interview at every place I applied. My goal for the first round of applying was to try and get an interview. Uh, the CPS have um, various stages to their process of, as well. There's an online application form, civil service judgment test, a video interview, a legal assessment and a final interview. So my goal was just to get to the next stage each time. Had I have not um, got it the first time round, it's just about trying to improve yourself for the next time. But it's, I think it's about you know, not giving up and you know, being resilient uh, and continuing. Because it is extreme. You do feel like you want to give in. As I say, during un- undergraduate and at Bar School, though, many times I just felt like I wanted to give up. But it's just about carrying on and it makes you a better person and a better barrister. That was CPS barrister Carly Green. Bridget, what do you think of that? Cannot believe how young she is and a barrister on her feet all day. She was, yeah, very impressive. Yeah, and like clearly so driven and yet yeah, like really honest about the fact that, that her journey when she describes it seems really like linear and kind of straightforward and like she's really got it together. But when she's talking about it, but it's, it's not always linear. No, totally. Do you know, it's funny, in the, the in the conversation I had with Barrister Mossen Zaidi, he said exactly the same things and he was really honest, much like Carly, and said, I've had failures, I've had setbacks, that's normal. And it's really refreshing, I think, for, for totally. people like people like you and me to to hear it's it's super super honest and it's easy to forget I think especially in like the age that we live in where it's so easy to compare yourself to other people that the most aspirational person that you look at you know will have had some degree of failure some degree of rejection a bad day etc etc no totally they might just not promote it on on instagram or or twitter (laughs) or yeah no totally the other the other kind of interesting thing that that she was discussing is this distinction between employed and self-employed barristers yeah i i mean like you i had not very like very little idea about the 
distinction. So she's she's employed, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So she is she has an employment contract with the CPS. Um, no, I totally hadn't appreciated that being an employed barrister was an option. Um, and I sort of you I don't hear about it. I no, don't you don't. And also, I think perhaps. Uh, and this is a good illustration of that, that you can work within the law and absolutely not know about all aspects of it because it's so multifaceted. But I sort of always presume that if you want to be a barrister, you really have to have kind of a pretty hardcore attitude to work in terms of like the hours that you want to work and yeah. your work-life balance. You're kind of dogged and yeah, you're, exactly. you're in the you're in the office eating crisps at two a.m. No, I know what you mean. Exactly. Um, yeah. But just that the, the, there's kind of that there's a trade-off between work-life balance. Um, and clearly that doesn't have to be the case. And I think that's really refreshing to hear. I think the other thing that really stood out for me might sound silly, but I discovered that you're a part-time florist, potentially. That's an important <laughs> skill. Um, I am no longer a part-time florist. I was in my in my, in my my heyday. No jokes, I definitely wasn't peaking at 17. Um, but no, I worked as a florist when I, well, in a florist's shop when I was like 14 to 17. I had a lovely time. I that's loved the cool. people I worked with. Do you know, I have a real problem with uh, some floral arrangements in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. There's Go a lot ahead. of thistle fillers. Okay, so the official term for that, Bridget, is eryngium. Eryngium? I might have just got that word wrong. I quite like thistles. Oh, I mean, they're, no, they're fine. I'm probably I'm probably disparaging all of Scotland or, you know, part of Wales <laughs> by saying that. I, they're, no, they're pretty, but they're used as fillers. And then if you try to remove them from a bunch of flowers. They're very spiky. They're very thorny, Yeah. You can also qualify as an employed barrister through the Government Legal Trainee Scheme. It offers trainee options in places like the Government Legal Department, the Competition and Markets Authority and the National Crime Agency. We've posted a link in our show notes. And later this week, we'll be hearing from a criminal defence barrister on the other side of the bench. Make sure you like, leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss out on that. And you can find us on Instagram. Just search Not All Lawyers Pod and use the hashtag Not All Lawyers. This has been Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees from the BBC's legal team.